0: It's been a long week—a week of nonsense and lies and utter BS. Consider this your tonic for all that ails you politically, so drink it in. This is the Rich Zioli podcast,
1: and welcome to the Rich Zioli podcast. Thank you for being here, special weekend edition. And remember, it's now on video, so if you're listening to this, please take a moment to watch it on YouTube, on the YouTube channel, and please like it and subscribe to it too. That'd be awesome. Thank you so much. Look, we are now officially in a recession. The same people that defined what is a woman are now trying to redefine what is a recession. But we're not going to let them. The truth of the matter is, right now, we are in a recession. GDP fell and annualized 0.9%, second straight quarter of decline. Two consecutive quarters of decline equals recession. Unless Joe Biden's president, in which case then they just make it up at wherever they want it to be. (laughs) The truth of the matter is, is that we've been feeling this for a long time. You've been feeling it. I've been feeling it. Stagflation. And the fact is that a lot of companies right now are going to be retracting. They're going to be hiring less because that's what the administration is falling on. They're saying, well, don't worry. We're not really in a recession because, you know, companies are still hiring. How long does that last, though, is the question. But. Much like how George Orwell warned of groupthink and how there'd be the ministry of truth, the ministry of truthiness. And eventually now we'd come up to new words, new definitions of things. You know, truthy speak. Now we are redefining what a recession means. So the White House is now redefining exactly that. The economy is now apparently fine. Brian Ds. Director of the National Economic Council of the United States, was on CNN disputing the technical definition of a recession. Now, mind you that if the Trump administration did this, we'd be hearing about how it's a war on truth and how they're lying to us. And this is fascism. They do it. And CNN goes, oh, yeah, maybe you got a point. Let's just redefine the entire word. And in which case, it's not so bad. Right. Take a listen. What will be comments from some
2: saying two quarters of negative growth in a row, that's a recession. Right. And certainly in terms of the technical definition, it's not a recession. The technical definition considers a much broader spectrum uh, of data points. But in practical terms, what matters to the American people is whether they have a little economic breathing room, they have more job opportunities, their wages are going up. That has been.
1: Yeah, except none of those things are happening. They don't have more breathing room. Their wages are not going up and the job opportunities are about to dry up. Remember something. Right now, everybody's looking to hire because business was good. But business is slowing down and people are going to stop hiring. Back in 2008, Brian Dees, same guy, speaking on behalf of Hillary Clinton, said, economists have a technical definition of recession, which is two consecutive quarters of negative growth. In other words, he's lying. The deuce, Peter Ducey, asked White House press secretary slash FEMBOT, Karine Jean-Pierre about the redefinition and his sudden flip-flop. Let's see if she got the software patch in time to be able to answer. Take
2: a listen. Today. If things are going so great, though, then why is it the White House officials are trying to redefine recession?
0: No, we're not redefining recession.
2: If we all understand a recession to be two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth in a row, and then you have White House officials come up here to say, "No, no, no, that's not what a recession is. It's..." something else. How is that not redefining recession?
0: Because that's not the definition. That is not the definition.
1: My programming does not have the definition because Wikipedia is still uploading, 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 restarting, restarting. The definition is now a period of temporary economic decline during which trade and industrial activity are reduced, generally identified by a fall in GDP into... And then just... (laughs) Wikipedia actually did change the definition of recession on Thursday and locked it down. I love this, how the media is all colluding now to protect Joe Biden from the fact that he's a president now in a recession. They're actually doing that. And here's the thing about it. Regardless of what Wikipedia says, regardless of what Dictionary.com states, you and I are feeling it. The White House cannot weasel its way out of a recession. Kevin Williamson of National Review wrote a great piece about this. When is a recession not a recession? Well, When it's bad for Democrats. When is a woman not a woman? Whenever they want a woman to not be a woman. It's like the war on birthing persons. Remember that? They play these games with language all the time. Forever it was the GOP war on women. Then suddenly it was the war on birthing persons. Doesn't have the same ring to it, right? You can be sure that if a Republican president had a growth of 0.00000000, zero zero one percent, the Democrats would have snapped right back to the two quarters rule and declared that there is no recession. But hey, listen, we live in funny times, don't we? Democrats point to a strong labor market. But as I've told you already, people are working for less money and companies are about to retract again on their hiring. This graph from the Federal Reserve economic data, Fred, who's also my driver, by the way, I hope he's not waiting for me, (laughs) shows a decrease in real disposable personal income. This is a thing. You see it going down. Less disposable income means things like, well, you know, less fun stuff, going out to dinner and going out to strip clubs and that sort of thing. (laughs) You know, family stuff. Democrats have lied about a lot of things. And on Thursday, after raising interest rates by 75 basis points, Fed Chair Jerome Powell denied a recession was impending while concurrently pointing out that everything is wrong with the economy is, well... Let me guess. Russia's fault, COVID's fault, Trump's fault somehow. Take a listen.
2: Do you believe the United States is currently in a recession? Uh, will the GDP reading tomorrow affect that judgment one way or the other? And has your assessment of the risk of recession changed any in recent weeks? So. I don't I do not think the U.S. is currently in a recession. Um, and the reason is there are just too many areas of the economy that are that are performing uh, you know, too well, and, and of course, I would point to the labor market in, in particular. Uh, as I mentioned, this is a this is a case of first impression. So anyone who is really sure that it's impossible or really sure that it that it will happen is probably underestimating the level of uncertainty. And and so I, I would certainly say it's an uncertain uncertain thing. Um, nonetheless, it's it's our goal to achieve it, and we'll keep trying to do that. That in. Uh,
1: He sounds like Dr. Kevorkian giving you a cancer diagnosis. Well, I'm not sure. I don't know if it meets the definition of that. I don't really know if it is or not. All I know is that I don't know. And and I'm, by the way, a lot more entertaining than he is. His goal here is to put you to sleep so he doesn't have the answer. And he knows he's lying, which is why he keeps looking down at his notes. We're in a recession. But big deal. Most Americans don't care about being in a recession. They care about filling up the tank with gas and buying groceries. Recession or not, technical definition or not, I do think it's funny though, the media is trying to spin it away for Joe Biden, something they would never do for a Republican president. And to that, I gotta give CNN's Chris Calliza credit for that. Chris, Chris Saliza, Saliza ripped the White House for their spin on recession definition. You don't get to change the definition. Take a listen. But I got to tell you, I I struggle with this. I get that why they want to do it from a political perspective. Yeah. But like, you can't fake
2: this. No, I was just I was laughing to myself with the "in my view" thing that Caitlin highlighted because it's like, well, in my view, I should be drafted into the NBA. Like the <laughs> in NBA view, NBA executive. I would didn't make millions of dollars. Right. right. <laughs> like it doesn't really matter what you think. It's there's a there is a technical definition: two straight quarters of negative economic growth. They clearly believe that that is likely to come to pass later this week. They're trying to pre-bud it. To your point, we get why they're doing it politically. Right. At the same time, we have these terms for reasons. You don't have to like it. Of course, they don't like it because the economy, you know, Joe, Biden's, a textbook, Joe right? Biden's handling textbook, of the definitely. economy was at 25 or 30 percent in our most recent poll. Like, yeah, it's a problem for them. This adds to the problem. But you don't get to change the nomenclature in the middle of
1: a campaign because it doesn't work for you. And that is why I'm fired up. And I got a lot more to say, so don't go away. Thanks for being here. We appreciate it.
0: It's all fun and games until Seoli gets fired up. It's time for Rich's Take of the Day.
1: Here's what really burns me is that the government of the United States of America continues to spy on you and spy on me. They do not like anyone to criticize them. And for that, they try to pretend like we're all domestic terrorists. They do this all the time. Do you remember the school board letter they put out threatening parents to say, hey, listen, be good little boys and girls, because if you go to the school board meeting and you speak up, we may have to classify you as a domestic terrorist. All of this is happening as the Department of Justice and the FBI are compromised. You're going to find out exactly what it is that a high-ranking Republican senator, Chuck Grassley, had to say. But here's Merrick Garland. I'm going to actually skip this video because you don't need to hear it. Merrick Garland was talking about how they're going to investigate Donald Trump. Well, as they're talking about that, the Department of Justice is actually purposely downplaying negative information about Hunter Biden. This letter right here by a very high-ranking and reasonable member of the United States Senate, by the way, Chuck Grassley, points out the fact that we have lost confidence in our own FBI, their ability to be nonpartisan and to stay the hell out of politics. Congress needs to investigate this. Here are some of the accusations right now. At least 14 of Hunter Biden's business associates met with Joe Biden despite the president's denial. Yet every time one of those stories came out, the FBI is accused of labeling it as disinformation and trying to stop the investigation. Grassley says the FBI is working overtime right now to make it so that any negative story about Hunter Biden goes away and any investigation about Hunter Biden goes away as well. The FBI is compromised. We know this. We had all these informants who were the ones who were leading the plot to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer. I also have questions about what happened on January 6th vis-a-vis FBI informants. There's a guy named Ray Epps. You might have heard of him. He was the one out there going, tomorrow we go into the Capitol, into the Capitol. If you remember, Senator Ted Cruz asked the FBI director, Christopher Wray, was that guy uh, an FBI informant? They couldn't answer the question. Christopher Wray's FBI needs to be hauled in front of Congress. Not obviously the entire FBI. There's a lot of people there. But the top brass to answer those questions, are you trying to cover for Hunter Biden? Fourteen of Hunter Biden's business associates met with Joe Biden despite the president's denial. President said, I've never had any conversations with my son about his overseas business denials or business uh, denials. Yeah. Business opportunities. But one of Hunter Biden's business partners referred to Joe Biden as the big guy in multiple occasions. Two different occasions. One occasion when talking about giving the big guy a 10 percent cut. Another occasion when he talked about how the big guy was going to be upset about a story that was leaked. The fact of the matter is Joe Biden is the big guy. In October 2020, one month before the election, an avenue of derogatory Hunter Biden information was ordered closed by a senior FBI agent at the Bureau's Washington field office. He said whistleblowers from federal law enforcement came forward to his office after a May 31st letter he had written noted a pattern of active public partisanship. And that is a major problem. So we have a whistleblower who's accusing the FBI now, accusing the FBI of playing politics, playing politics. This is a real problem. Whistleblowers accusing the FBI of padding domestic terrorism stats to play up the threat. Here's how this works. They play down Hunter Biden. They play up the domestic terrorist threat at the same time. Why? To make everybody believe that at any moment now there could be another January 6th. You and I are living our lives day to day, but we have a lot of frustrations about things, like masks in schools, our kids being in school. Those are legitimate concerns. You might even have a concern about the election being legit or not. Might even go to Washington, D.C., like my guest. You find out you lose your job over it. The government does not like you to disagree with them. So Representative Jim Jordan, the ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee, said in a letter that FBI Director Christopher Wray From recent protected disclosures, we have learned that FBI officials are pressuring agents to reclassify cases as domestic violent extremism, even if the cases do not meet the criteria for such a classification. Why would they do that? Well, they're doing that because they want everybody to believe at any moment now, your cousin in a MAGA hat's gonna storm the Capitol building. They do this to distract, but they also do it for another reason too, control. Do you remember all the power we gave them after 9-11? I do. I remember all those years being on the radio and people calling me up. I would criticize the spying, the domestic spying, the wiretaps, all the NSA metadata gathering. People would call me up and they'd say, Rich, 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 what do you want us to be blown up by terrorists? Do you want to get blown up by terrorists? I'd say, no, but I also don't want to give away my liberty to the government under the guise of keeping me safe because it never works out that way. Well, years later, we know what happened, right? They weaponized all those powers we gave them to, quote unquote, keep us safe use it against former President Donald Trump, use it against his people, made up investigations, made up reasons to investigate. They did those things, use those powers for politics. And now here we are today. They have all these powers and they don't want to ever lose them because bureaucrats never want to give up whatever power we've given them. So they turn around and tell everybody at any moment now, domestic violent extremists could storm the Capitol building. One whistleblower explained that because agents are not finding enough domestic violence extremism cases, they're encouraged and even incentivized to reclassify cases as domestic violent extremism, even when there is minimal and circumstantial evidence to support that reclassification. According to whistleblowers, the FBI uses those metrics to dispense awards and promotions. Every whistleblower has called it an environment of pressure within the FBI. So to bring it full circle... They downplay Hunter Biden. The FBI downplays Hunter Biden. The FBI plays up domestic violent extremism, you know, MAGA hat wearing people. They call moms and dads who want to protest at school board meetings domestic terrorists. What is this all about? Silencing you, keeping you quiet. Be good little boys and girls. Don't speak up because we'll label you as a domestic terrorist. Remember something else that happened too. guys like Ibram X. Kendi were going on TV and saying, if you don't like the fact that your kids are not in school, that's white supremacy. So you understand now, you might be labeled a white supremacist, a domestic violent extremist. How does that work out for your job? You're standing in the community. Your kids stay in the community. Not good. So be good and shut up. Don't speak up or we will label you. And when it comes to Hunter Biden, the FBI will use every little bit of its power to make it all go away. This institution is corrupted. It stinks to high heaven and something needs to be done. We have lost faith in our national security apparatus to keep us safe from our own government because our own government is now using the powers we gave them to keep us safe from terrorists against us, just like I told you they would. Imagine like this, you're an American citizen, you're a teacher and you go to a peaceful, lawful protest and you lose your job for it. First Amendment of the United States Constitution protects your right to peacefully protest and that's what you do you still lose your job and you work for a public school system. It's an outrage. And here to talk about it with me is Francis Malafoy. Francis is the attorney in a very, very interesting case. He's also the guy that sued Led Zeppelin. We'll get to that next. Francis, thanks for joining me here on the podcast. I really appreciate it.
3: I appreciate you uh, having us on. It's an, important, uh, it's an important matter. And I know it's important to Jason and, and uh, Jason Moorhead. It's a pleasure to represent him. and he's, He is here with me uh, on your show. So thank you.
1: Jason Moorhead, you're a teacher, is that right?
4: Uh, I was. Uh, I was terminated officially yesterday.
1: I'm so sorry to hear that, that's terrible. You taught uh, social studies, right?
0: Yeah,
4: uh, social studies in the Allentown School District, seventh and eighth grade, uh, I taught for 18 years at the same school um, my entire career.
1: Jason, when you taught social studies, did you talk about the impact of the First Amendment, the importance of the right to peaceful protest and what it means to our country?
4: Yeah uh, in eighth grade civics, we talk about uh, the Constitution and the Bill of Rights uh, for a good stretch of time, uh, especially when we try to give background for
1: context of what's going on today. Jason, you I will still call you a teacher for the purposes of this conversation. You're an expert in social studies, so am I wrong to understand that the First Amendment gives Americans the right to lawfully, peacefully protest? A- absolutely.
4: Um, you know to, to rally, to petition, to, to meet to uh, explain your frustrations with what's going on, to try to be and hear other people's frustrations just to use as a learning opportunity. You know, to, to share information is one of the best things we have. It's limited around the world, and we're, we're very, uh, we're losing it, but we're, we're blessed to have a, a decently open society where we can still communicate effectively by, by learning from each other.
1: And I'll ask you some questions, and obviously, Counselor, jump in at any point, but uh, at no point did you enter the United States Capitol? Uh,
4: at no point was I within a mile. I was always more than a mile away from the US Capitol. I uh, was at the Washington Monument. As soon as we got off the bus, right at the Washington Monument, uh, we tried to get close to the White House uh, for photo opportunities. We tried to then listen to some of the, spe- uh, the speeches. Uh, we hung around uh, the Washington Monument again, got a hot dog, and walked back to the bus. So Jay- no, I was never, never near there.
1: And Jason, what, what what, made you want to go down in the first place?
4: Um. I'm a, a conservative. I have uh, you know, um, um, conservative values and, and I wanted to hear what the president and others had to say. Um, I try to take advantage of opportunities to hear uh, politicians speak. I was uh, in Allentown when Obama came. I went to the ham fam, the, the diner, and tried to hear him or see him. When John McCain and, and Sarah Palin came to the, uh, the Valley, I, try, I brought eighth grade students to go listen to them speak, but they arrived three hours late, so we had to leave. Um, you know, when there's opportunities to get a chance to hear directly from politicians, I, I want to do that.
1: Well, I think that's a great way to be a social studies teacher, to be able to bring those experiences to your students by going through them yourself. And listen, I mean, there's only one president of the United States. have the opportunity to go hear that person speak is tremendous. It's huge. So in other words, you had no motivation, no no mens rea. You were not looking to storm the Capitol. You weren't trying to overturn the election. You weren't trying to obstruct Congress in any way, shape or form.
4: Um, I wanted to go and hear what people had to say. Um, I think if you look at um, how people have responded to how the election went down, there are some concerns that at least deserve a voice sure. and a place to be heard. Um, and so I, I wanted to hear what that was. I was actually looking forward to seeing both protesters and counter-protesters. I wanted to get a feel firsthand for what the environment would have been like at that situation. Um yeah. Too often when you watch the news, uh, you only get one perspective. Uh, and I, I, wanted to, I wanted to form my own opinion by listening to the people directly there and not be told what to do. There was never any doubt that the, the whole goal was to listen. Uh, there was never talk of violence. There was never talk of any type of storming. That term is foreign when we were down there to use. Um, I, the whole point was just to listen and be around people who if you were there where I was, flag-waving American-loving people, uh, uh, and it was great to see. You know, the, the whole violence thing, hearing about it later disgusts me. Um, I'm appalled that it happened, and uh, I'm sad that 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 speeches and my uh, involvement in listening to a lot of speakers speak, uh, is tarnished because of the thing that happened over a mile away.
1: Listen, brother, you and I are simpatico, exactly the same. I, I feel exactly like you do about this. And I guess it brings me to what happened to you yesterday. You said you were terminated. What was the justification for that? Um, I don't believe there is a
3: justification.
1: The All right, let me just, rephrase. Yeah. What okay. did they yeah. say was the justification yeah. for
3: firing you? Um, just, let, let, let me just let me just pop in here if you don't sure, mind. Please do, Francis. You know, the Francis Malfoy is, that, is
1: Jason's attorney.
3: Yeah, The, the issue here is that Initially, when he was um, when he went to see uh, a conservative speaker speak in Washington, uh, he was not engaged in violence. He was not engaged in protest uh, uh, or anything that was um, subversive to to, to America. Uh, he was there as, a, as 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 peaceful and intended to be peaceful and was sure. peaceful. The school then the second day went and blasted him, saying he was part of this insurrection and riots at the Capitol building, placing him breaching. Uh, the Capitol building itself. That was false. That was defamatory. They put him on administrative leave. And then on the third day, they did a Spanish inquisition of him to determine where he was and where he wasn't. And then it took six months for the school board to then come to the conclusion that, quote, after fully investigating your involvement of the events of January 6th, 2021 in Washington, D.C., the district has concluded that your presence at the January 6th gathering did not violate school board policy relating to teacher non-school activities. They fully go. cleared them, but it took six months to do, even though they knew the truth on the third day. The problem here is that um, his termination or his, his, his leave was initially because of his involvement at a protest or, or at a political gathering, but then it was pretextual. They said it was because his failure to return to work. The problem is that in their uh, uh, in their private report, they never name cleared him with the community. They, re- they refused to issue the report saying he did nothing wrong to the community after claiming that he was a bigot, a racist, a hate monger and could not teach the students of Allentown. So they jumped to call him a racist. They jump to call him a bigot. Awful. And then they fail to correct the record. And the point is, is that how can he go back and have the trust? of the community, the trust of students, the trust of teachers when there was so much poisonous atmosphere that destroyed his character, which was built on 18 years of an impeccable record. And so the issue here is we asked for a name clearing. They refused to give it. We asked them to distribute the investigative report which said he did nothing wrong. They refused to do it. And then they said the condition upon which he has to return to work in this hostile environment is if he admits he's a racist and a bigot. Well, wait a second. Huh. If he did nothing wrong, why should he admit he's a racist or a bigot right. and say he needs classes to correct these wrongs? And
1: he's not a course, racist, nor is he a bigot, so he would never admit that, nor should he.
3: Right, right. You know, rather rather uh, you know, die on your on your on your on your feet than on your knees. You know, people have a right uh, to to be accountable for what they do. He did nothing wrong, and the simple thing the district should have done was name cleared him. The simple Mm -hmm. thing the district should have done is say, I'm sorry. But instead they doubled down and these boards are so far left leaning that they lost their balance. And if this is how they're treating an administrator, excuse me, a teacher, if the boards are teaching, uh, treating teachers this way, just think how the students are being infected, not understanding that you can have differing viewpoints. The First Amendment protects the freedom of speech, the freedom of religion, the freedom to assemble. And the issue is that that's what makes this country great. And when you've lost that ability to uh, disagree with your government, then what they're doing is they're engaging in uh, uh, indoctrinating students and indoctrinating teachers by by um, pushing a political viewpoint to the exclusion of other thought. And that that destroys that destroys critical thinking in schools, and it violates the First Amendment. And that's what we have the, the most issue with. And so you know. Uh, the pretextual reason was his refusal to come to work. He couldn't come to work because it was a hostile environment. They wouldn't name clear him. And the only way he could come to work is he admits he's a racist and a bigot, and that he's not going to do.
1: I'm glad you're representing him, Francis. And Jason, I wish you all the best of luck. I- I'm so sorry you're going through this, ma'am, but I- I'm glad that at least you've got good counsel. you got a great case. I appreciate you coming on today. I can only imagine what this is supposed to be like for you and your family. And getting dragged through um, the mud and being called those names, it's got to be awful.
4: You know... <laughs> I, Rob is the only place I've ever worked. It's my entire career. Like I, I've I've done so many uh, sports with them and clubs and plays and summer school and homebound tutoring. It's my life. My best friends are there. My, I met my wife there, and they destroyed my character. Um, my my life is in shambles. the 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 marriage is, is is on the rocks because of all the stress. My you know I don't see the kids the way I used to. It, it, it Everything is affected because of uh, their failure to, to, to correct the record and make it safe for me to return. So thank you for listening to my story. I appreciate
1: it. You're a teacher at a public school and you exercise your First Amendment right. And the fact of the matter is, if you were down there protesting something that the left approved of, you'd have a job today. Francis, you,
3: you know, yeah, I could just one, one thing, you know, this was it in, in my letter to the uh, to, to the, the solicitor for for the board. And, and my last line was: If Mr. Moorhead was black and attended a BLM protest, would he have been treated the same way? It's a great point. And the answer is obviously no. So how can they say if you're white, Christian, and conservative, you know, you don't have a viewpoint that that even can be considered? But but if you are 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 indoctrinating and adopting another political viewpoint, that's okay. And that's where it's wrong. You either value the First Amendment, whatever the view, or 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 you're pushing a political viewpoint to the exclusion of another, and they can't assassinate their political opponents simply because they don't like their view.
1: You know as well as I do that if your client was outside the home of Justice Brett Kavanaugh or interrupted his dinner at at, uh, Morton Steakhouse, they would have been cheering him of the district. This is an outrage. Listen, Francis Malafoy, Jason Moorhead, thank you so much. Jason, best of luck to you, man. God bless you. We're praying for you. Look forward to having you on my radio show in Philadelphia this week. And thank you so much for coming on, guys.
3: We'd be happy to, thank you. We appreciate the reporting. Take care
2: you've been yearning for, it's time for our favorite MILF, Mother in the Learning Fight.
1: And now is the part of the podcast you've been waiting for. It's time when we talk to the Mother in the Learning Fight, <laughs> which is short for Mother in the Learning Fight. <laughs> you figure it out. My friend Clarice Schillinger's here, fresh off her big speaking role with Dr. Mehmet Oz, the candidate for United States Senate in Pennsylvania. And she was the honored guest and also speaker. Clarice, great to see you this week.
5: Yes, great to see you. So uh, I opened for Oz. We had about 150 to 200 parents there. I opened for Oz in Cleveland back in 1979. (laughs) My stairway to heaven killed
1: it, just for the record.
5: Um, So it was a great turnout. Now I have to go. I was
1: an extra in the HBO show (laughs) Oz. That was terrifying for me. If you remember the show Oz, because it was a prison show. Yes. Yeah. How do you like your salad? Anyway, go ahead. (laughs)
5: Um, So now I'm going to Pittsburgh with him. So it's been great. But I really want to show you a clip that was on Fox News over the week and uh, Manhattan Institute, which is they're very good friends of mine. They work uh, lock and step with Back to School USA trying to elect officials that will put our kids first. But you have to watch what they found in Portland.
0: Let's do it. Freeing things that white people can do, or actually any human being on the planet could do right now, is to just say, of course, I'm racist. Of course, I'm racist. Our society speaks racism. It has spoken racism since we were born.
2: Schools has taken academic queer theory and turned it into a K through five pedagogy. They're teaching kids that some boys can have vaginas, some girls can have penises. Uh, They're encouraging them to adopt synthetic sexual identities Uh, such as genderqueer, non-binary, and pansexual. Uh, And then they're telling kids that this is part of a political movement. It was critical race theory last year. It's queer theory this year. You have to get on board. You have to reshape your identity according to this ideology. And then by the end of fifth grade, they actually have them reading out commitments to commit their lives to radical left-wing activism uh, by the ages of 10 and 11 years old and saying that they're fundamentally against each other, oppressing one another, they're trying to do the same thing with sex, saying that white heterosexual men have always re- oppressed uh, racial and sexual minorities. It's the same kind of basic Marxist theory now applied to both race and gender. It's happening in Portland. It's happening all over this country in our K through 12 public schools, trans and non-binary, uh, and all, doing all of this without notifying parents. Uh, everyone should be on guard for this ideology uh, in the schools because it's coming. It's coming to a school near you. I
1: tell you, Christopher Rufo has been doing amazing work on this. He really has. It's terrifying. I've got a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, and a two-year-old. And the idea that they're going to learn all this stuff, when honestly, we're just trying to deal with math and reading, it's just too much for them. Kids don't understand it. My son has no idea what any of that means. And I want to keep that innocence, too. And I think, Clarice, that's really what parents want. We just want to keep our kids innocent as long as possible. They're going to be exposed to this crap eventually. Do they need to be exposed to it at that age? Absolutely not.
5: Yeah, just just back to the basics, reading, writing and arithmetic so that when they're 18 they can go out in the world and be equipped with real tools yeah. to get a job, co- go to college, go to the military, whatever that looks like. I would like. add
1: though, and with all due respect, reading, writing, arithmetic and Chinese since it's clear that China is taking <laughs> over our country. <laughs> oh, that amen. would be helpful. Yeah. You know, Mandarin or Hunan yes. or Sichuan, they're not just menu items, but I mean, really, <laughs> China is saber rattling and threatening to shoot down Nancy Pelosi's plane. But that's for another show.
5: Yeah, that is for another show. I saw that. So little you know,
1: do they know that she flies there
5: <laughs> as a bat.
1: Good luck shooting down a bat. Your technology can't match her wings. No, I'm just saying. No, she she's She's going to be just best. fine.
5: I agree. Take the plane.
1: I'll fly solo. How do you do it? All right. She kind of just <laughs> like all, all all members of the vampire community. They just sort of grunt a lot. Yes. Like the yes. Living Dead, you know.
5: It's fantastic. There you go. One of the books is Lawn Boy.
1: Lawn Boy.
5: Lawn Boy. Um, I'm going to try to like. Skip- Which
1: is about a landscaper in New Jersey and his struggles with paying for diesel oh. under Joe Biden's gas prices, oh, right? We wish. No.
5: Not that it really matters. In the fourth grade, at church youth group meeting outside of the bushes, 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 I touched Doug's, and he touched mine. I touched another guy's. What if I told you I sucked it? Right? So this is the books that are in the library at this moment that the parents are fighting. I have to give a shout out. You know, Mr. Paul Martino and I worked tirelessly on. He was a
1: guest on the podcast last week. If you missed it, please go back and watch it. Mm -hmm. Like it. And while you're doing this, do me a favor. Quickly subscribe to the YouTube channel. I'd appreciate it. We'll send you money. We're not going to send you money, but we'd appreciate it anyway, though. Appreciate <laughs> We're that. We're definitely
5: not sending Yeah, we
1: don't have any money to send, but <laughs> if we did, we still wouldn't send it. No, and I think it's also important to understand something, too. Clarice is trying to be polite, but if you read this book at a school board meeting, they would cut your microphone, which is what they've done at school board meetings. They would say that it's not appropriate for you to say at a public meeting, and yet they'll make it as part of a curriculum for fourth graders. It's ridiculous.
5: That's, that's, that's exactly right. You took my word. So Central Bucks this week voted six to three. Now, Paul and I flipped that board six to three. So we have six Republicans and three Democrats on that board right now. And, and I want to say I want to really give you the quote of what the superintendent said, because they've been getting a lot of backlash. Let's I'll give you the quote after we watch this short video real quick.
3: The district superintendent says the policy isn't a book ban, but one that would create a process for reviewing books only if someone objected to the content or images in them. But opponents believe it could lead to banning books that feature members of the LGBTQ plus community.
5: LGBTQ students need representation in their libraries. I can't be the only representation I see in my schools. The district needs diverse literature, which allows others to learn about, empathize with, and accept fellow students with different backgrounds.
2: Supporters of the policy say it helps keep age appropriate material on library shelves.
0: Despite the turnout of people opposing the library policy, please know most
5: CBSD parents are appreciative of you all looking out for their children and protecting them.
0: This is not a ban. This is not a censorship. It's common sense.
3: Opponents argue the policy's vague and doesn't lay out the specific criteria that goes into making a decision. The superintendent says a group of educators and professionals will make up the committee. However, those individuals haven't been identified.
1: Let me just say this is not a ban. That that woman's correct. Uh, first of all, the, the Bucks County School Board does not have the ability to ban books. Right. The government can ban books. Schools are a quasi extension of government, but that is not a book ban. And let's understand something else as well which is the following. You can still buy those books on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Sure. Those kids can read it. Those kids can do a book sale outside of school. This is about choices you make to put in the library. If it was up to me and I had a choice between Batman movies, I would never put Ben Affleck and his Batman in the school library. <laughs> I put the other Batman movies in there. I would never put a Ben Affleck movie in the school library because I hate Ben Affleck. But that's not a ban on Ben Affleck. I don't have that power. I wish I did. Because I would censor Ben Affleck in a heartbeat. I'm against censorship, except for Ben Affleck. But my point is that (laughs) it's still not a ban. You're making choices about content, and they do it every single day. Ask those school districts, i got a great idea. Put my book in the library. No, how come? Put uh, Dr. Thomas Sowell's books in the library, Basic Economics. Why won't you do that? And they won't do that. Is Trump's art of the deal in a lot of these school libraries? Nope. And that is not censorship either. They're making choices based on money, space. School libraries have a fixed size. And also they're making it based on cost. Also, too, kids don't read books anymore. Who the hell are we kidding? They read things on their devices. In fact, you'll be in school going, what are you reading? Lawn boy? No, actually, I'm not. I have no interest in this gay book <laughs> or straight book either because I, you assigned it to me. And I don't like reading books that were assigned to me. So I'm reading what I want to read. That's the reality of dealing with kids today. And they need to understand that. I
5: have to tell you, I found out something super hilarious. Uh, One of my New York City moms calls me today and they have like a whole group of mom, like warrior moms that are having their kids check these books out for the entire year so no one else can can get the books so if the schools are not going to ban them they'll just have you know their kids check them out for but the it's entire not a ban. year
1: it's not even a school ban though
5: I, I, it, it's not a ban but it's they're, not they're, a
1: ban and we shouldn't use those words just be careful shouldn't. because right. that's what the left wants they that's want what, you to say that and yeah. then they'll catch it and go look Former lieutenant governor candidate and back to school <laughs> USA president Clarice Schillinger admitted it's a ban. And said if schools won't ban them, burn them. Well,
5: listen, I will own it. And that's not it. what she's saying. I, I will own it. If it has pornographic material in it, it should not be in our schools. Exactly. And, and, and Paul was quoted, Paul Martino was quoted in Delaware Valley Journal uh, saying this, like, how many parents actually want pornographic yes, pornographic materials in their elementary school library. These kids need to do it the way
1: I did when I was a kid. You go to the video store, you close the big, thick red curtain, you look (laughs) at the titles and see if you can convince Skippy behind the counter to let you rent it for the weekend. And please make sure you rewind, because that's awkward. Your mother says, why would I get a $2 rewind fee on... Naughty cheerleaders (laughs) of, sorry, mom. I'll be better next time. No, you're right. Schools are no place for this.
5: No. So the, you know, Central Bucks has been experiencing largest suburban school district in Pennsylvania has been experienced a lot of backlash for this. Um, But really, it's so important. This is what the superintendent of Central Bucks says. The policy is rooted in developing a process to prioritize age-appropriate content and material that aligns with our curriculum and really expresses the diversity of our students. That's it. That's it. That's it. Putting together a team of people that are going to go through this material and see what is appropriate and what is not. Not a ban. Correct. Just seeing what is appropriate and what is not. So this is what
1: did Paul Martino have to say?
5: Well, I told you, he said.
1: No, do we have a video? How?
5: No, we oh, don't. Okay. He was quoted in the newspaper. All right. Well, he did yeah. good.
1: He, he's good on video. If you want to see him on video, go back and watch last week's podcast. That's
5: right. He That's is right. really good. I will say like this whole subject, though, I, I talked about this a lot last week, but this subject's near and dear to my heart for one reason. So I was a teen mom and it's super important. That's a important part of my story. And over-sexualizing our curriculum in schools, we're going to have a much further divide in the nuclear family, teen pregnancy. These these materials that are being put in our schools are encouraging sex, truly. Yes. So I have a little picture of me and Lexi. You know, I'm 20 years old here with my three-year-old. You have not
1: aged. You really have not. That's amazing. (laughs)
5: Well, thank you. Uh, But... That's little Lexi, you know, and me. And that, those were hard times, Rich. Those were going to the coin star, dumping them in, dumping all my coins in to get a $20 bill to go get some gas. So it's, uh, it, it hurts my heart to see that we have taken this route of just really over-sexualizing our children. That's it. It's what I got? You so got, got the, the mom of the week. Yeah, I mean, I got the mom of the week. Are
1: you the are you the MILF of the week?
5: I am not the MILF of the oh, week. Oh, all right. I'm the MILF every week. No doubt.
1: No, <laughs> no doubt. No doubt.
5: But you had you had already talked about this, so I want to show you a mom at a school board meeting. She is definitely my MILF of the week. These two books that are on the poster are Lawn Boy and Gender Queer. I will say that I I do not favor book banning. I want to tell you that off the bat. But I do want to tell you that pornography does not belong in our schools or acceptable to our children. I got a new strap-on harness today. I can't wait to put it on you. It will fit my favorite dildo perfectly. I can't wait to have your cock in my
0: mouth. I'm going to give you a job of your life. Then I want you inside me. Sorry, you're out of order. This is your first warning.
1: Out of order for reading what yes. is in the curriculum for our kids.
0: This is a book that is that is accessible in Adams
5: Twelve. So kindly okay. refrain from kindly further... refrain
1: from reading the kids' curriculum. Yes. If she read the math book, would that be out of inappropriate? Of course not. Good for her. Bravo. Be so brave. So we
5: can't really see her. I wish we could. I wish we could because she's so good. She's so good. She's she's literally reading this passage and saying, "Wait, I'm not allowed to read this."
1: It's fantastic. And that is the mother in the learning fight.
0: It's time for fun with audio on the Rizzoli podcast. Stupid things said by stupid people.
1: And now is that portion of the show where we talk about stupid things said by stupid people. <laughs> and let's start with His Royal Highness King Philip the Unaccountable, Phil Murphy of New Jersey. Now, if you are watching this on our YouTube channel, and I hope you are, uh, would you ever buy a car from this guy? Look at this guy. <laughs> look at this guy. He's got pleated khakis on. I haven't seen a pair of pleated khakis since the 1986 J. Crew catalog, which is when my dad walked into the room and caught me, if you know what I mean, ordering with his credit card. I don't know where your mind goes, people. Yellow tie, bright yellow tie, and, of course, those teeth. This is King Philp the unaccountable. Phil Murphy of New Jersey. Take a
0: listen. <laughs>
3: Hey, Governor Phil Murphy, coming at
0: you. From coming State at you. Asbury Park on How 7th are Avenue. And I'm standing in the middle of a bunch of electric vehicles. Now, there's a reason for this. Come on back ah. here. This is a charging spot, charging stations along here. And by the way, Asbury Park was a pioneer in this. But the big news today is we just announced year three of Charge Up New Jersey. Charge six, Up New Jersey. $60 million dollars to send more and more electric vehicles on our roads. So there's cash on the hood particularly for mid-priced cars. There's By the way, cash on the hood, buy- you're
1: getting carjacked, especially in Philadelphia, just for the record.
0: ...charging apparatus at home. There's money toward giving local governments the opportunity to buy electric vehicles at a better price. There's money for apartment buildings, condominiums, other multi-family or multi It's your
1: structures money that he's using. Thank so, you, Your Highness. Thank you. you. Enough, enough. I can't... God, I can't... K- kill it, kill please. Dear God, I... <laughs> You know, here's the thing about Phil Murphy, right? Again, he's taking your money and he's redistributing it to his little pet projects. Here's my question. Since he won't disclose any of his donors for his wife's charity, how many of the people getting these contracts might be people that, I don't know, either gave him money, give his wife money, uh, give Democrats money? We don't know. We have no idea. Here's what I do know. How is the grid going to handle all these new cars joining the electric grid in New Jersey? We don't know. Also, tell the average hardworking New Jerseyan who can't afford a Bruce Springsteen ticket, hey, just go buy a $60,000 Tesla. Yes. (laughs) Bruce Springsteen brings me to my next stupid thing said by a stupid thing. For this, we turn to the legendary actor slash rocker, aging badly rocker, Stephen Van Zandt. He put out a little video following in the footsteps of the great Snooky. Targeting Dr. Mehmet Oz, the candidate for U.S. Senate in Pennsylvania. Take a listen. Yo, Dr.
0: Oz, Stevie VZ here. What are you doing in Pennsylvania? Everybody knows you live in New Jersey and you're just using your in law's address over there. You do not want to mess around with John Fetterman. Trust me, you're a little out of your league. Nobody wants to see you get embarrassed. So come on back to Jersey where you belong. And uh, we'll have some fun now. We'll go to the beach. We'll go surfing. You know, come on. Yo! (laughs)
1: Doctors! (laughs) You want to afford a ticket to my concert? It's going to cost you five grand. Go school the working man, we only said that crap in the 70s, which is the last time I got on a surfboard, hey, yo. Hey, you like those planes that fly overhead? They're cheaper than a concert to my Bruce Springsteen. What are you going to do? Listen, scalp a ticket like the rest of us. You poor schlub, you can't afford it. Oh are you kidding? But hey, yo, let's pretend like we're from Asbury Park and like hanging with the working, working man, right? Yeah. Hey, Dr. Oz, I never met John Fetterman. I don't even know what the hell state he's running in. All right, come have some cacho a e pepe with me, all right? All right, maybe some fried clams. Hey, does it look like I left this house since COVID? Because I haven't. <laughs> These lines on my face, not for nothing. Hey! <laughs> It's so stupid! I can't even. I can't even begin. All right. Uh, speaking now, this is from Stevie Van Zandt to <laughs> Kamala Harris, uh, the Vice President of the United States, who actually took time to announce what her pronouns are. Take a listen. Hello, mm-hmm. ladies, for coming in to have this very
0: important discussion um, about some of the most pressing issues of our time. I am Kamala Harris. My pronouns are she and her. I am a woman sitting at the table wearing a blue suit.
1: Now, what amazes me about this clip is that she knows what a woman is, because that is groundbreaking right there. <laughs> She's not a biologist. How does she know what a woman is? That's my question.
2: I can't
1: answer that. Okay, no yeah, now I'll take the do-rag and turn it into a mask. Here.
2: You
5: You know,
1: let's go back to political consultant Stephen Van Zandt.
5: <laughs> Yo,
1: Kamala, how do you know what a woman is? What has she got? like? Tata's maybe I'm just saying I'm not a biologist, hey, but come to the boardwalk. I'll show you some women, but maybe not those shirts and wirewood just saying tricks of you know what. eh? Uh, she's a woman. Congratulations. Now we know she's an idiot. I know that. But we weren't asking that question. Now we've gone from aging rocker to vice president of the United States to bat, old bat in Nancy Pelosi, (laughs) the Speaker of the House, who definitely might have hit happy hour a little bit early. I'm not judging.
5: Come on, Rich. Why do you got to tell everyone we drink before the show?
1: We drink during the show. no, we do. Hang on a second. Yo, Nancy, (laughs) I'm buying Miller Lights at Seaside Heights. They got a pitcher for a quarter. Now there's probably like tapeworms and whatnot in those lines. They haven't cleaned <laughs> them since the '70s, since we last appeared at the Stone Pony. But here's uh, Nancy Pelosi. I don't know what she's saying. I don't think anyone knows what no she's saying. Knows. This is not edited, though. This is the Speaker of the House of Representatives. Take a listen.
0: We're sending stuff over to the Senate. Well, most of the product that we've done is except now we we may have added in the last day or so, and some of what we added is Senate. To the bill. Like uh, hearing. Bernie doesn't like hearing. Excuse me. Bernie loves hearing. <laughs> Manchin <laughs> doesn't want hearing in the general <laughs> Um so somebody send it or and then we have the family medically. We figured if they're putting things in, then we can put something in. If, <laughs> even if Manchin doesn't like so, um uh, they can
1: put it in like scotch and soda and so
0: we're getting some olives,
1: lots of olives, blue cheese olives. What?
0: Bird and privilege. I think I think most of we're getting privileged scrub because privileged struggle is. Oh, we're doing a really little contest on the on the Very podcast cool. this
1: week. If you can, what the hell is she saying? If you can be the first person to let us know word for word what she's saying, we'll send you a bottle of wine.
5: Absolutely. All right,
1: you have to translate that word for word. Yes. First person to let us we'll know. We'll
5: send you like three bottles. All of right. go no, easy, Curry Sweet. <laughs>
1: We got a highly paid producer here. We can't, let budget's a little that's bit, you know true. what I mean? That's true. But I asked Stephen Van Zandt if he could translate what Nancy Pelosi said, and it sounded <laughs> something like this. Yo, Nancy! <laughs> what the frick are you talking about?
3: <laughs>
1: I don't understand. Not for nothing, but that's not English. <laughs> Uh, now we move on to Representative Cory Bush. This is a member of the United States Congress. Was asked a question, will she be supporting the Democrat incumbent for President of the United States, Joe Biden?
3: Take a listen. Do you want to see Joe Biden run for a second term? He's going to go. Yeah, I, you know. Uh, that's an easy question. That's not going to take long. Do you want to see Joe I Biden I don't run? want
0: to answer that question okay. because we have not. That's not. Yeah, I don't want to answer that question. Okay. Um, I mean, he's the president, and he has the right to, to run for a second term. Absolutely. That's, but right but I don't want to – I don't, I don't want – I'd rather you not do that answer. Yeah, I know. Hard. i got to get to the – Well, thanks very much. I okay. appreciate it.
1: Yeah, i got to get to that uh, thing. i got the uh, the thing, and the other, oh, oh, look, a cat! <laughs> it would have been easier if they just had that cartoon, like, you know, Roadrunner. The duster yes! shows up, right? Yes! She's like, i got to get to the – oh, fire! And – <laughs> Let's see if Stevie Van Zandt, what he thinks about Representative Cory Bush.
5: Please,
1: please. Not for nothing. I think you're lying. <laughs> Where we come from, we'd say, eh, you don't like him? Just be honest. Who <laughs> oh, you kidding? Huh? I like having Stevie Van Zandt weigh in on every clip, don't every you? Every clip. Yeah, every clip, every right? Every clip. Yo, Cory Bush. I don't blame you. <laughs> the guy's an old not But just be honest and tell people... Hey, no, I don't like the guy. One time back in 1972 at the Stone Pony, guy wanted tickets. I said, no, I got to get that other thing. I don't remember what that other thing was. (laughs) Tickets back then were five cents. Now they're $5,000. Dr. Oz, (laughs) forgot where I was going with this. (laughs) Uh, And that concludes Stupid Things Said by Stupid People. (laughs)
0: Mama Zioli always says you need to eat your vegetables. So here's another Joe Biden word salad. Here
1: on the Rich Zioli Podcast, we want to make sure you eat your vegetables. Just like Mama Zioli always said, God eat your vegetables. So we like to serve you a nice Joe Biden word salad every week. (laughs) Here's Joe Biden trying to make sense of something English. Take a listen. Millions of Americans have used Paxlovid. Paxlovid, excuse me. Paxlovid.
4: (laughs) I'll tell you what.
1: Hey, Biden. Yo, you might want to know the medicine, you yeah. I'm just saying. One time I accidentally took my heart meds, but I was supposed to be taking my you know. allergy medicine. And, yo, I, not for nothing, I didn't even know what happened. I woke up three days later like it was a bender in the Asbury Park in 1972. <laughs> Paxlovogy <laughs> Biden does this land shark thing when he can't talk, he does that whole that mushroom 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 and that's what he's yes. doing with that, right?
5: Bashaba?
1: Yes. Bashaba. Bashaba. Bashaba?
5: Yeah. My question for you is Rich, do you yes. think that Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden drink together? I mean they they talk like they do. <laughs> that's slur.
1: Yeah, that's slur, that slur that right? see I don't think Pelosi drinks alcohol I think the problem is she doesn't drink enough blood see that's the problem it's more of a deficiency thing you know what I mean I really love this do-rag and I may be beating this bit to death but I don't care because I love this one time we're down in Longport, New Jersey true story and we're down there and this guy's in the Pine Barrens and he goes hey yo I owe you money I said alright I don't know what happened I think he's coming to the concert next week. He bought two tickets for $74,000. Dr. Oz, that's like what you make in one year. All right. Now we have President Biden talking about inflation and the economy. Um, even he knows he doesn't make a damn lick of sense. Take a listen.
2: And, and rental housing and a whole
1: range of things.
4: But I started thinking about it
1: just as, a,
4: you know, somebody who's raised a middle class kid one year. Even though you didn't have the job you have now, even though you didn't get a raise that year, the difference between having a job, having a five percent raise or whatever, three, five, seven, whatever it happens to be, in the face of inflation, price of the pump, although that's down every day so far, but you know, it's like, whoa, I feel worse off. But then again, I didn't get a check for eight
0: grand from the government. They just among other things. Does that make any sense to anybody, or is it just me? Well, it really makes a huge difference, Mr. President. Mr. Because, President, as you said. Before I it, tuck my cats
1: in for the night, <laughs> I just wanted to come out and let you know I think all of that made sense, sir.
5: We're not in a recession.
1: We're not in a recession because let's understand it's two consecutive quarters of growth. And, oh, kids, look, it's time for breakfast. <laughs> Hey, that didn't make any sense to me. It's like that one time I was in the wild with Boardwalk, right? And I had three balls to throw and I threw it and the thing and I got the little tag, you know, and the guy goes, you got a prize from over here. It was like a crappy little thing. I said, I wanted the big teddy bear. The guy goes, no. I said, whoa, you know who I am? I'm Stevie Van Zandt. I want the big teddy bear and caught it off out of here. Guy said, no. So he gave me three more balls. I hit it again. I knocked those things over, but he goes, no, now you only get you get two little thingies on the chain. So I got like a rubber jelly worm. You want to see it? I still have it. 20 years later, I still have it. I'll autograph it for you. You could sell it on eBay and maybe buy one seat to my concert. That guy ripped me off that night. I've never forgotten it. Dr. Oz, you ever get ripped off on the boardwalk like that? What's up with pizza? It's like $45 a slice now. I mean... This economy stinks. I don't know about who the president Oh, I support the president. Right. Great time with the economy. I can't read. Can you make that smaller <laughs> for me? Hey, Dr. Oz, don't you like paying $45 for a slice of pizza on the boardwalk? Uh, Kamala Harris, uh, again, back in our uh, word salad, this time serving up her vegetables with uh, something about... The Dobbs decision, of course, the landmark decision overturning Roe v. Wade, which is the way I would explain it to my constitutional law class, wearing a <laughs> do-rag, take a listen.
0: And the act of the United States Supreme Court to take away a constitutional right that has been recognized, the people of America will impact a lot of people and differently in some situations, and we need to be responsive to these issues and also lift up the voices of all people who will be impacted in the way that they will be impacted. So that's why we are convened today. And um, I will add a couple of points in terms of the direct impact that we anticipate there will be from the DOCS decision.
1: So let's count, shall we? Will impact yeah. a lot of people, and differently in some situations, we need to be responsive to this issues and lift the voices of all people, will be impacted in the way that they will be impacted a couple of points in terms of the direct impact. Yo! We used to play this drinking game back back a long time ago, right? We were down in Margate, and here was the game. You'd have to say a word over and over again, you'd hey, count the number of words. Hey! Like impacted, and then you go, and then <laughs> caught a pitcher, and you knocked down the red solo cup. <laughs> Not for nothing, I knocked it down a lot. Hey, I'm good at ping pong. I, I got you the little ball. A new game. And there you go. <laughs> and you go. How many times was that? Impacted, impact, impact. I don't know. Past, present tense, and whatnot. It's all the same to me. Yo, Dr. Oz, you ever play ping beer pong? Come down and play with me and the guys. We'll have some fun. Right on the boardwalk. All right. Uh, And that concludes this week's edition of Word Salad. All right. Now it's part of the Rich Daily Podcast where we do our last call, preview the week ahead, and, uh, you know, maybe give a little cheers. Let's do it. Clarice, come join me for this. What do we got this week, huh?
5: The Loch Ness monster. The Loch
1: Ness monster
5: might be real. Is that true? I mean, scientists now say that. So, wow. I think we should watch this little clip. I mean, it's it's actually it's the whole difference between salt water and fresh water and what they found. It's really cool. Let's watch it. All right maybe it's real maybe the maybe the lochness monster is real well so a new study says it's plausible okay but Researchers right. recently found fossils from a dinosaur-aged marine reptile called plesiosaurs which have been the inspiration for the Loch Ness monster here's the big revelation those fossils Ooh. were found in an ancient freshwater riverbed is that what it's a okay. right
1: yeah listen i've always <laughs> thought the Loch Ness monster was real along with bigfoot and along with elvis presley <laughs> Why not, right? <laughs> Let's do it.
5: I mean, I would not be swimming if that thing was in the water. Sure, you would. Oh, no way. Are It'd be you like kidding? Jurassic
1: Park. It'd be a great kid adventure. Oh, no, no, no. Here, no. kids, go play with the locust Monster. Mom and no, Dad need no, a break. No.
5: Forever. <laughs> forever. Bye. Um, Choco Taco. Let's yeah. talk
1: about oh, it. Oh, the Choco Taco. You went to four different places to get me a Choco Taco. And for that, I say you're the coolest friend ever. You're the all best. right, I'm going to let a everyone... A Choco Taco.
5: I'm going to let everyone listening know that when I told him off camera that I had to go to four different places for the Choco Taco, he's like, okay. I went, okay,
1: because <laughs> I'm a guy, and I went, all right.
5: Okay.
1: She went, oh, my God, I went to four places. <laughs> all within the same geographical region. It wasn't like I had to fly to Bolivia to get this, <laughs> go through customs. I got kidnapped by Mexican drug lords. <laughs> It's a Choco Taco. I'm very grateful. It's Thank you. It's a real
5: thing. So, when So I, what?
1: They're going These are going away, right?
5: No, yeah, they're totally going away, and I want to watch I want you to watch a little segment on it. But when I bought I bought four of them. You bought four
1: at four different places? One at each place or four
5: at the same place? Right. I bought yes. them I totally totally sold out. But the guy was like, "You know these aren't going anywhere, right?" And I said, "What do you mean?" Right? Yeah. You get the whole thing. You get the chocolate, the nuts, the ice cream, and the cone all in one bite.
1: These are not going away because Biden's going to give him amnesty.
5: <laughs> Speaking is that of that, an amnesty let's, joke? Let's, watch yeah. the, let's watch the video.
2: All I, all I have to do is run a country of 350 million.
5: Having the time to stop by, get some ice cream. This as, of course, chaos is erupting across our own nation and now abroad.
1: Choco was created in the early 1980s. And much like the success of the 1980s, it's going away.
5: Wait, pause. <laughs> Resume the video.
1: Forever. 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 Clearly, she started last call a little early today. <laughs> much like the ability of a president to be reelected in the 1980s, the Choco Taco. Is going away forever, and that's the good news. All right. Now going from something delicious to something terrible, Subway sandwiches.
5: <laughs> oh.
1: These are oh really good, God. actually.
5: They're actually really good, but I have to talk. Subway. Mm-hmm. If you get their new Subway Series tattoo, oh no, not like like no 12 by 12 yeah. on your back Subway Series tattoo, you get 50. $1,000 worth of gift cards and Subway for life. It's unreal. You have to watch wow. it.
4: Subway is giving out free sandwiches for life to a Colorado man who declared his allegiance to the brand by getting a foot long tattoo of its new Subway series logo across
5: his back. You
1: no. Know, what I'll say is that this man getting a tattoo on his back shows you the judgment. But actually, I could have told you he had terrible judgment because he was ordering from Subway. <laughs>
5: All right, what's next? That's actually really true. Like Subway is
1: I mean, did you Can see Can we the just whole move on to the alcohol shore? <laughs> we can't be here all day. But did you see did you see oh that Subway
5: tuna is actually not real fish and not too, Okay, okay, fine. How about all this? Right.
1: The Subway Italian is not real Italian either. <laughs> Don't eat it Subway. This segment brought to you by Okay. Jersey so. Mike's for an authentic hoagie experience. Jersey Mike's. All right. Mm.
5: There is no denying that Rich and I both like to have a glass of wine. Yeah,
1: everybody's shocked by watching this right now. (laughs) But there's "There's no denying. (laughs) Yes.
5: (laughs) But there's, like, this new genetic study that says we're going to die 10 years earlier.
1: Because we're drinking? Yeah. Or because we're eating Choco Tacos and Subway sandwiches.
5: No. Well, Choco Tacos and Subway sandwiches. Hmm. And because we drink.
1: I'll tell you what. The best thing we can do is drink away the Subway sandwiches and the Choco Tacos. <laughs> well, listen, I don't believe any of that. My grandma lived to be 147 years old. She drank a glass of wine every day. Nancy Pelosi literally drinks a vial of blood, of that every day, and she's 4,000 years old. And if the Chinese don't shoot her down, and we hope they don't, she'll be around forever. Have a great weekend. Thank you for watching. We appreciate it. Please subscribe to to the channel. Like it, even if you don't. (laughs) It'll make you feel good. Have a chocolate Taco on us. Clarice is going to go to 45 different places to get you one. (laughs) Thank you so much for watching.
0: It's been a long week. A week of nonsense and lies and utter BS. Consider this your tonic for all that ails you politically, so drink it in. This is the Rich Zioli Podcast.